Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. David, what have we got today? Well, John, it's been about one year since President Biden took office with a lot of hopes and plans and dreams, including in healthcare. Why don't we have a look back and see what, if anything, has been achieved and where we see any breaks from the prior administration and any congruence. Congruence. Well, this is a battle royale. I can't imagine a two presidents who had different views of, of, of the world. I've got to think that they didn't agree on anything in healthcare. And it's going to be interesting to kind of chop it up as to see how, how much progress Biden has made at, uh, at, at reversing uh, your buddy Trump's agenda in healthcare. But why don't you, let, let, let's, let's just go through the issues. I mean, is, did, has sure, Biden kind of sure, succeeded here or not? Well, John, if you recall, uh, in the prior administration, they're very big on repeal and replace. And a big impact, a big thing was supposed to happen, you know, day one, repeal the Affordable Care Act and so on. Now, we know that didn't happen. But at the same time, the administration did a lot of things to try to destroy pretty much whatever President Obama had done in healthcare and in other areas. And so those things were done by administrative fiat and by some of the uh, the federal agencies without involving Congress. And so some of those things have been undone. Let's just point out a couple of big ones that were very sort of politicized. One, one was- one, one second, fiat, Italian car. What do you mean by fiat? Well, so the certain things the president can just do, right? Because even though we are in a, a place where there's a separation of of powers and the balance of powers and so on, the president does have a lot of uh, abilities to do things like uh, what uh, President Trump d- did, which was to withdraw from the World Health Organization. You know, so that was, a, and you and I argued strongly against, vehemently, John, vehemently we argued against that one. So uh, how much progress has Biden made at, uh, at unwinding the Trump agenda, which is to your point was fulfilled through more executive orders and kind yeah. of personal kind of gripes. Sure. So let me, let's just let's just rip through a, let's just rip through a few of them and then we can talk about it. So one, they did rejoin the World Health Organization. You rolled back the so-called Mexico City policy that banned aid to any international organizations that supported abortion rights. On the Affordable Care Act, when they uh, Trump was unable to repeal and replace it, but instead they did a bunch of things to kind of chip away at it and make it ineffective. Biden's overturned a number of those. They include having navigators uh, to help people to find coverage, bringing back the um, the open enrollment period uh, from six from back to six weeks, from three weeks, um, restoring the protections for LGBTQ uh, people, and uh, a number of other things that were related to the ACA, like. He ha- Trump had an order about minimizing the economic burden of the Affordable Care Act. So there were a bunch of things like that. More and more people are joining in the exchanges. Uh, the ACA expansion of Medicaid has worked. As we've talked about, it, the expanded Medicaid is extremely popular. It's won every time it's gone on the ballot. The, all of those efforts uh, really were unsuccessful, and Biden's now fixing it. But what, what about what about places where Biden hasn't made as much progress, David? Has, 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 he, has he won everywhere? Well, he hasn't won everywhere and he hasn't reversed everything either. And I think it's notable, you know, what are the things that were put in place by the previous administration that the Biden administration has kept 
unchanged, meaning maybe they agree with it. One area has to do with price transparency. So hospitals and insurers are supposed to publish their prices. This has been a big thing because the hospitals haven't really uh, been following through on this. Biden's left that in place. The health insurers have to provide estimated prices for procedures. That's left in place uh, as well. And then certain things around uh, the uh, prescription pricing. So you know, there's a sort of a silly thing where the drug companies have to list the price of their drugs in the TV ads. Silly because that's not the price that most people pay, but yet that's remained. And also the potential to import drugs from Canada, although the Biden administration hasn't approved any of this, uh, any plans from any of the states. So those things have been kept in place. Interestingly, the other thing that's been kept in place so far is these short-term health plans, sort of, uh, you know- That one's going to last. I, I'm, you know, you, you were rolling well until you okay. hit that one. I mean, I think this price transparency thing is actually really interesting. Anytime the healthcare industry pushes back, you know that they've hit a vein of potential affordability. David, why isn't the price transparency, which I do believe you know, it was a Republican policy that the Democrats are grudgingly uh, administratively supporting, because uh, if they had, they didn't say had the seat before and didn't do it. But it's it's interesting that there's so much pushback there. What do you think that's about? So, John, you know, in general, in healthcare, there's this suffers from this problem of lack of prices. Like, as we go to the gas station or the supermarkets, we've talked about before. I mean, who the heck would go there and just like fill up, fill your tank up, and you not know what it costs, or buy a banana or a pear or a box of cereal without having a price tag on it? So, in one sense, it makes sense to put put a price tag on it. That's what the transparency is supposed to do. The pushback against it is that, well, those prices aren't actually prices. Those are just numbers that the the providers throw out there in case some sucker happens to pay it. But most other people, most of the other payers have a negotiated rate, which is much lower. So it makes the hospitals look bad. It actually reveals, I'm going to use the word I used last week, reveals some of their shenanigans uh, that, they're, that, that they're doing with the uh, uninsured and with um, out-of-state uh, health plans. We're not, uh, you're health not plans. casting aspersions on all hospitals and doctors no. and medical groups, but the reason why so many people are going bankrupt, I mean, healthcare debt is one of the first or second leading causes of bankruptcy in America, is often, it's often the case that people have been stuck with big out-of-pocket bills that were would have been much cheaper if they were actually covered by health insurers. And this is one of the dirty little secrets of pricing non-transparency. And I actually think this is one where there, there, there will be some benefit to the consumer. And it's actually, I, I'd give uh, Trump's healthcare team good points on this one. I think that was a, that was a, a step forward. Yeah. I don't think it's uh, I think it's, it is of minimal value, but it's of, it's of some value. There are some other areas that we haven't covered here that aren't necessarily, you know, administrative orders, but that uh, do, uh, well, you do have some consistency in the bureaucracy. Let's talk about the case of CMMI and about innovation. I actually think that, that the Trump administration was very good at bringing in a team that focused on public-private solutions, and they set up a really interesting new program on kidney care. Kidney care is one of the most expensive types of care in America with people crashing into dialysis and costing, costing Medicare hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if you could help people manage their 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 what they eat and how they live in a healthier way, you could save millions of dollars and, and, and probably millions of lives. 
You've got some very interesting direct contracting approaches, which would allow in current Medicare fee-for-service doctors, it would help them find a way to get to more managed care solutions so they could start to manage the full risk of the members that they're working with, perhaps giving them an incentive to do less procedures, less time in the hospital, and more time at home. No, I think that there was a lot of progress made. You know, when you really get to the innovation and value-based healthcare, that's healthcare in a budget front, you have a lot of alignment between Democrats and Republicans. And I think the Trump administration made some progress. And I think CMMI under the under under Biden is actually continuing that progress and pushing it forward. And I think the the difference is Biden's gonna prioritize health equity, another big opportunity for our healthcare system, which consistently discriminates against minorities in one shape or another, unintentionally, but consistently, uh, that I think if you merge that with some of these public-private innovation solutions, we could actually make great progress. But David, I want to go back to drug pricing and drugs. I mean, Trump was, I thought Trump's on the side of the consumer. Didn't we make great progress on drug cost reduction? I mean, he talks about it all the time. It's one of the things that he and Bernie Sanders agree on and is part of the Democrats' agenda. Where, where do we land on drug pricing. Well, John, I'll, I'll, I'll address your question, then I'm going to go back to the CMMI point. So I think what Trump did on in terms of drug pricing was mostly a lot of bloviating. You know, there was a big, uh, there's a big set of things that, that there was going to do, some of which are beneficial to the drug companies, actually, and some of which might be beneficial to the consumers. And they weren't all that coherent. I actually liked, in, in a sense, this most favored nation status where we were, yeah, we were benchmarking our drug prices to those uh, of, of developed countries, not, not Egypt, like you had pointed out last time, but more like, let's say, New Zealand or Germany and what they're paying, we could, we could pay. And that would have a number of advantages. I'm not sure it was ever a practical plan, but it was very good uh, rhetoric and, uh, and definitely could you know, coax the, uh, the companies into the, right, into the right direction. Now, Biden's gotten rid of that. I want to go back, though, and talk about what you were saying regarding CMMI. And point out that you know in the Obama administration there was good movement toward value-based care, and then when the Trump administration came in, actually the first couple of years they it's not so clear they were in favor of value-based programs, and they were starting to pick them apart and make them uh, make them optional and so on. And then they got religion um, and started to push CMMI. Now when Biden came in, I think first of all they wanted to review everything that the Trump folks had done, you know, for good reason, but that meant there was some delay. Uh, in moving forward on some of these plans, like direct contracting, as you're describing. Ultimately, they basically said, yep, we're, we're in that and we're going to double down on it, but they are putting more of an emphasis on equity. So I think there's good progress there. I think there's continuity, but we shouldn't pretend that uh, it was all bright and wonderful things during the Trump administration in CMMI. I, I, I'm, I'm just suggesting that there's more alignment. I think that I think on this one, David, I'm more of a believer that if we focused on where there is bipartisan agreement, um, certainly from a public perspective, you know, lowering drug prices is a priority for 80% of Americans. I mean, I think 70 to 80% of Americans, even some of the very conservative populists on the Republican side are in favor of letting Medicare negotiate with big pharma. I think if we can focus value-based care where we're leveraging managed care, which is super popular among seniors, and actually create more ways for 
traditional docs and hospitals to participate in learning about that. If we could focus on transparency, places where we agree, we could all make a heck of a lot more progress. And you might actually see some legislative solutions that could accelerate. What strikes me is if you, you look at Obama, Trump, and now Biden, is, is historically the role of Congress was to really you know, come up with legislation that would create innovation and support some of the best new um, move, progress in healthcare. The reality right now is Congress is so stuck, every administration is doing everything through administrative order or how the particular executives they put in place manage. And that's a pretty dysfunctional system. But if we're going to live in that dysfunctional system, I'd like us to, I'd hope that both sides could start to focus on where they agree, because there actually is a fair amount of agreement uh, um, at the base and, and even among the expert community around lowering drug prices, moving to value-based care, and actually taking a more of a consumer patient friendly look at what how, how we actually innovate in healthcare in the right way. Instead, we, we tend to get caught up in these back and forth arguments and I just think that might be a way to uh, to really measure and make more progress and maybe even lead to some some cool legislative solutions that would be creative and that we could get behind. John, if I didn't know better, I would think that uh, you might have jumped the gun and assumed there was a federal legalization of marijuana and started to enjoy yourself and think that the age of bipartisanship is upon us again, if it was ever here in the first place. Now, I want to point out that um, the pharmaceutical industry, uh, which does not have its head in the clouds, but rather is looking at individual legislators and where they can actually stymie a progress toward, for example, negotiating uh, drugs for Medicare. And that happened in some you know, earlier legislative discussions uh, you know, during this past uh, session of Congress. I don't think we're going to get uh, anything through Congress, and, it's, and it has more to do with actually the lobbyists and the individual members they don't have their head in the cloud. They got the they got a couple of congressmen in their back pocket. That is something that is outrageous to the average American consumer, regardless of what party. I'm not suggesting that we are that we are wandering arm in arm towards the 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 the, the, the sunny skies of bipartisanships. I'm saying there are very specific things, like reducing drug prices, like moving to value based care, that both parties agree on today. Let's focus on where we agree and make progress. Both of those things would really matter to the average consumer, David. I, I, I will not be accused of being a woolly-headed person here. I'm just being crystal clear about what we should be focusing on in order to make progress. Lowering drug pricing, making all healthcare costs, negotiated prices more transparent, uh, making sure the consumer's in the middle and actually moving to healthcare in a budget. Those are things. Are you saying you disagree? <laughs> John, I heard I, I heard you I heard you say crystal something. I won't say what it was. I'll, I'll, we can agree to agree, John. I think these are these are good notions, and I don't want to knock out any possible optimism that we may have, especially at uh, at a dark time like this. So I'm I'm going to agree, John, and I'm going to say, listen, Biden has done quite a bit in the last year to reverse policies that should be reversed. He hasn't done anything to undermine bipartisanship and things that actually should go forward. And maybe 2022 will turn out to be a good time where we actually make some progress on these areas where we can have some agreement because we do need to get costs under control. We do need quality and we need the, the healthcare system to be more functional. So John, that's, I got, that's all I got to say today, except for that's it for yet another edition of Care Talk. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of Care Centrics. 
If you liked what you heard, or even if you didn't, please subscribe on your favorite service.